1: Earlier this month, the Greater St. Louis Association of Black Journalists honored two men who have been informing St. Louisans for decades. The St. Louis Americans photojournalist Wiley Price has been at it for 45 years, Five on Your Side television anchor Art Holiday is observing 40 years at the station. That's almost a century of experience and service to the community between them. The two received Living Legends Awards from the Black Journalist Organization. I'm happy to welcome them to our studio. Gentlemen, congratulations. Nice to see you, and a very nice honor for both of you, and well-deserved.
0: Good afternoon, Don. How are you? I'm doing just Thank great.
1: Well, let me start you. with you. 46 years, and maybe even a little bit more than that. And I've got to correct you, it's more like 38 Really? Yes, 38. It's not 45. Yeah. Well, you have to check with the folks at The American then, because yeah. I think they put 38. You, or maybe you just wish it was 38. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, it's been an interesting journey for me, uh, coming into uh, a paper that should have been closing as opposed to trying to stay open. Because back in 1979, most black newspapers were closing down across the country, and the American decided under Dr. Sugg that we should stay open, that we had something to actually say. And it's
1: been honored uh, very pointedly for its, uh, its service on many occasions. Yes, it has. Yeah. And,
2: and when I started there, people were asking me, why are you going to something? It's like you just bought a ticket to be on the boat, the wrong boat. So, um, but, you know, the journey is long and hard, but it's worth it. It really is. I, I don't regret one day that I've spent at the American because I've always shot something that was meaningful. Well, we want to talk more specifically about that journey. And, Will, Art, 40
1: years, uh, that's got to be some kind of a record in St. Louis.
0: I don't – well, I know Betsy Bruce made it to 46. So so I'm not not at the – I'm on the short list of Mm -hmm. uh, longest-serving people in St. Louis. But um, that boggles the mind, too. But, yeah, next year is my 40th year at KSDK.
1: Wow. How has it changed in those 40 years? Think back to what it was like when you started.
0: I mean, there have been so many changes. I mean, in this business, the the basics generally stay the same. You have to be prepared. You have to be inquisitive. Ask the right question. Mm -hmm. Ask the right follow-up question. That sort of thing. The technology has changed tremendously. When I learned how to shoot, it was on 16-millimeter film. Mm -hmm. Now everything is digital. Now you can go live (laughs) with, you know, small... Uh, self-contained live units. You know, you used to have to have a truck. Now you carry a something that's basically the size of a small suitcase, and you can pretty much go live from everywhere, anywhere, if you have a a, a signal. Um, the, the nature of the public's opinion of journalists has evolved. <laughs> now we're the enemy of the people. Yes, yeah, fake news. It didn't used to be that way. Yeah. And um, you know, there was a time when uh, thoughtful uh, journalism was was treasured and revered. Hmm. And now, if you're a journalist, sometimes you have a target on your back. Hmm. So that's a change that is not for the better.
1: Yeah. How about you, Wiley? I mean, obviously, technology has changed what you do to to a certain degree, uh, a huge degree.
2: Yeah. Uh, once I walked out of the dark room into the digital age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really felt like I was living in the future because to be in a closed room in the dark for 10, 15 minutes and then come out with a print, you know, that takes a minute. And, and when you're fast at it, you can do it in about 20 minutes. But with digital, you can stay in the same room with the person. You just shot him. And, and this happened to me several times where we needed a headshot of someone. I went and shot it. And while they were talking to me, I'm already feeding it back to, the, to whoever needs it. And that has put every weekly and monthly publication right on the front door of what's new in news right now.
1: Uh, Art just alluded to the fact that journalists these days are sometimes considered the enemy of the people. At least some high-ranking officials have put it that way. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel that? Do you feel that you've got that target on your back when you're
2: out? Uh, no, I don't because I used to have that target on my back 30 years ago, and Art and I were talking about that. When I first started at The American… Uh, with papers closing down like they were in, this, in the late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s, African-Americans weren't used to having their picture taken at a, what you would call a normal event. Some mm-hmm. people look at me like, who are you? Where are you mm-hmm. from? Why are you taking my picture? And often I would have to convince them to let me run this picture in the publication because African-Americans naturally were suspicious of anything where what they're doing is being documented. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick me? So now, fast forward 30 years later, 40 years later, it's a whole other bargain for me. When I walk into a room, I'm welcomed as opposed to 40 years ago when I walked into a room people were like, what do you want? So, Is that you or have times changed? What, uh, what, uh, times have changed for the industry overall, but for me personally, uh, it was a great uh, change because people were used to seeing me and I, I didn't realize until years later when my mother said to me, it's easy for you now because people trust you. Hmm. They've seen enough of your work. They see you everywhere. They know that you're okay. And and she's right. I even get that from the police department sometimes. I, I might be at a shooting, and one police officer will shoot me away, and another will go, no, no, it's okay. We know him. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. It, you know, it's just uh, time has healed all wounds, so to speak, uh, of trying to get the job down. For me, it's very easy. I, I rarely walk into a place and somebody doesn't recognize me. Art, you have stories like that?
0: Well, you know, when you spend as much time as I have in one market, it's rare that I don't have encounters with the public. You know, it's just kind of a, it's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, you know, 99% of my interaction with the public is, is pretty positive. Um, you know, there's still a handful of people who remember me from my sports days. Many people woke up with me and Jennifer Blome for 22 years when we were doing Today in St. Louis. Now I'm out on the street doing... Uh, I'm, I'm on our storytellers unit, which basically means I get to go out and find interesting people doing interesting things, uh, probably not unlike many of the interviews that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just trying to – I see my current role as trying to counteract the perception that St. Louis is a horrible place to live. Mm-hmm. You know there are great things going on in St. Louis every day, and and I get to go out and tell some of those stories.
1: You know, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, you just alluded to it—the days when you were doing sports. I, I was really disappointed when you stopped doing that and moved over to the, to the news because <laughs> I thought you were the best sports guy in town. I mean, you did the best features of anybody in town, and I was I, disappointed.
0: I thoroughly enjoyed it, Don. Yeah. And and in 1989, <clears throat> when I got called to the third floor to the general manager's office. I had no intention of leaving sports. I was happy. My, in fact, my goal was, you know, if I stayed at KSD, KSDK long enough that maybe one day I'd be news director. Of course, the, the very talented Mike Bush crushed that dream, but, that, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, you know, and he says, you know, we're going to make some changes on our morning show, and I think you'd be a good co-anchor for Jennifer Bloom. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid to say no. Because this particular general manager, uh, if you got on his list, you were dead man walking. <laughs> right. I didn't want to be on his list. Um, and he saw something in me that, that I certainly hadn't really even thought of. And, um, you know, so I don't regret it. I mean, that, that was an amazing partnership that uh, – you know, will always be part of my television legacy. Yeah, it
1: was an extraordinary partnership. I mean, I think everyone uh, who is familiar with your time with Jennifer would have to say the same thing. Wiley, you're nodding your head over there. You're you're agreeing. Uh, What did you think about his move from uh, sports to news?
2: I was disappointed also. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, he's doing such a wonderful job in this department, and you had notoriety. You really did. And so, you know, sometimes changes come, and they look bleak, and you don't realize you just walked into an oasis.
1: Yeah, a door opens and uh, you know mm-hmm. don't know what's on the other side to, to walk through it. Just to stay with this subject for a moment, Art, why have so many uh, sports figures and in, in television moved over to the news side? I mean, R- Renee Nott has done it. At, uh, Renee nod has done it at your station. Mark Curtis, who was with Channel Two for a while, did right. it. Steve Savard did it, and there, Brent Musburger did it. Uh, going back a, a few years on the national level, what? Why? Why these changes? Do you think?
0: You know, I I think. Everyone has their own journey, um, and I think the question is, would probably be better asked of the people who are making those decisions. You know, I don't know that any of us were actively seeking it, but, I mean, I haven't had an extended conversation with Mike Bush. I, maybe that was his goal. I, I don't know. We've never really talked about it. Um, I suspect that part of it is when you do sports— uh, you, you have to have energy. You have to be a good communicator. You know, all the general things mm-hmm. that, you know, go into having a lengthy career. Um, you uh, frequently ad-lib, which is mm-hmm. another skill. Um, and I think in all of the cases that you mentioned specifically, they'd already built an audience, mm-hmm. And I think that was part of it too. I don't think necessarily think that you know every news director is thinking you know oh my weekend sportscaster I'm going to groom him to be a newscaster. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. I still wonder what Bill Bolster, the general manager at the time, what he saw in me mm-hmm. because we never had that conversation except in general terms. He said, "I think you and Jennifer Blown would be a good team." Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, he was right.
1: <laughs> we should also point out that uh, sports is sports and news is news. Except sports is also news. Of it's, course, it it's, is. It's, or it it's really be. the same thing. It's just covering a different, uh, a different element.
0: Yeah. Well, I was worried that people wouldn't accept me in the new role hmm. um, because you don't know. You know, uh, I don't have a big <laughs> ego, so I'm not thinking I'm going to set the world on fire. I'm thinking. You know, I was pretty comfortable doing what I was doing, reporting on, you know, the Cardinals and the Blues, and, you know, we even had the football Cardinals at the time before they uh, absconded to the desert. Um, But in looking back at my career, I'm proud of the fact that I have reinvented myself multiple Mm -hmm. times. I was, you know, because people ask you all the time, don't you miss this or don't you miss that? and. The business is too fast to be looking in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be in the moment because you've got a job right now. But on occasions like this, when you're asked to reflect, I mean, that's the thing that, you know, if if you're going to talk about someone's career and body of work – you know, I was able to do enough things that they couldn't figure out how to get rid of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, forty years—wow, that's uh, again very impressive. Wilder, well, when you look back over your thirty-eight years, um, what do you see? What pops into your mind? What are some of the things that uh, most impressed you about what you do and how you did it?
2: Um, what most impresses me is the fact that I stayed. Um, <clears throat> when you when you're young, you're getting advice from older people in the business. Mm-hmm. And they're all telling you, don't stay at an African-American newspaper because there's nothing there for you. And something just kept telling me, no, I need to stay. And, and the reason why, because that's where I started. And when you think you know a community, you quickly realize, especially when you're young, that you don't. Mm-hmm. So, when I was trying to leave, I was also trying to figure out, how does all of this work for the African-American community in St. Louis? Because I was going through these different assignments. And when I say different, you know, I might be shooting a press conference with an alderman. And that's, you know, I'm over at HUD shooting people that need food. Mm-hmm. And growing up, you forget that there are people out there with needs like that. And so with me shooting it, it started reminding me of all the magazines I had seen of these kind of programs being shot someplace else. Mm. And I thought, well, this is important. African-Americans need to see this. They need to see the positives that are coming from it. And everybody needs to know this. So I stayed. And as far into the 80s, people kept telling me, you need to get out of there so that you can really do something meaningful mm-hmm. with your career. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm shooting an entire race of people trying to advance themselves into the future. What could be more important than that? So I kept to the point where I just thought, okay, I got to stop listening to these folks and just do what I do. And a couple of photographers did say that to me. If this is what you need to do, you need to put your head down and go do it and don't listen to the outside folks.
1: And it's your hometown?
2: St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah, it's yes. your hometown. Yes. That makes yes. a difference, yes. too. And, and and again, that also drove the home, the the, the uh, picture home to me. The point was, you're 24, and you don't know how we operate in this city. Mm. And that was kind of shocking to me because, you know, you go up thinking, oh, I know. I know. I know where all the high schools are. I know mm-hmm. where the people are. And really, you don't. I remember the first time I saw Congressman Clay. He walked into this room, and I knew who was going to be there. And I thought, I've only seen this guy on TV, and here he is 20 feet in front of me. hmm And the rest of my life would be that way, where the first time I meet somebody of note and I'm here to work this person for whatever reason. And and life for me has been extremely exciting staying in this community. Mm. And I would debate with anyone that comes from the New York Times, L.A., wherever. Your career has not been as meaningful as mine Mm. because you've been just shooting the assignments as they come to you, where all my assignments are based in the African-American community, right right where the work should be done. For me, anyway. Art,
1: you're a hometown kid. I am. Uh-huh. How does that help you and affect you and your work, do you think?
0: Well, especially now that, you know, you worked there 20 years and then the next anniversary is 30 and now I'm approaching 40. I've always considered it an honor to work in my hometown. It certainly wasn't any master plan on my part to work at KSDK this long. It's worked out and I think – I know I've gotten something out of it. I believe the television station's gotten something out of it, and hopefully the community's got something out of it. I love telling St Louis stories there's no shortage of them and it's been it's been a joy you know to to pick on pick up on something that Wiley said earlier. you know this is the kind of business where you know i mean every business has its frustrations, and you know newsrooms are you know can quickly turn into a bitch fest i'm not (laughs) you know people (laughs) complaining but every day is different and you don't know necessarily who you're going to meet or what situation you're going to be in or what story you're going to cover or what the impact of that story is going to be and it's i I never wake up and say oh i got to go to the newsroom today Mm -hmm. Uh, never
1: yeah you, you can be at uh, covering a five-alarm fire in the morning and be in the governor's office that afternoon. It
0: just shifts around like that day to day. Absolutely. And yeah. that's – I mean – and I learn something every day. Mm-hmm. How many people have a job where they're guaranteed to learn something they may, they didn't know when they woke up that morning? Right. And this is every day in this business.
1: Could you imagine, Wiley, getting up every day and your task for the day was going to be to – Screw a bumper on a Chevrolet and do it, do it for eight hours and come back the next day. I would next have and the to really
2: day. like auto mechanics to be thinking that if you want that. I, got. I mean, because even if people said it to me. What is your motivation? I said that I wake up every day, I walk into the African American community and go, okay, what's next? Because it's going to be something. Or I just asked me just a couple of minutes ago, am I just coming on? And I said to him, I've already shot a fire. Really? You know, it's not even noon yet. But, and the emotional roller coaster for our job is just tremendous. I remember a few years ago when we had this run of kids missing, and one of the uh, TV reporters from one of the stations said, you know, we've had so many children missing lately. I had to ask my news director to please give this story to someone else because this was going to be my third one in like five months. And I was like, you know, our job is just like that, where you have no idea what you're going to walk into when you get to work that morning.
1: Well, as as journalists and as hometowners, let me put this one to you. And why I'll start with you. Ferguson. Uh, what, what did that mean to you, and what was the impact of Ferguson on you as a, as a member of the
2: community and a, as, a, as a journalist? I always knew something like Ferguson was coming, but like I tell everyone, nobody knows where it's going to happen or when. You just know it's coming. And I say that because one day a person explained to me what the workhouse was really for. And I was like, that's why those people in the workhouse? Because they couldn't pay the Mm -hmm. bail? He said, yeah, they are literally sitting there waiting for $300. And they've been there for nine months. Well, Mm -hmm. in a debtor's prison, and the taxpayers pay for this, who profits from this? So it's things like that. And and a lot of good has already come out of Ferguson because of the death of Mike Brown. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The debtor's prisons are on their way out. Uh, We've definitely had a change in traffic violations moving through small municipalities. All of my professional career, when I've had to go to somewhere towards North County, I've always planned the path that I take because police are sitting on the roads waiting for mm-hmm. the, to come by. And when you're chasing a news story, all of us are driving a little bit above the speed mm-hmm. limit. So I have given municipalities probably about two or $3,000 of my money over the 30 or 40 years I've been doing this. And, again, Ferguson stopped that. Now, when you look around where people are driving on expired tags, they're not afraid of being pulled over. That has really settled down for the betterment of the community. Yeah. I, don't think you should be, I don't think you should be able to drive through your community knowing you're going to be pulled over by the very police department you pay for for a traffic violation and then be taken to jail for it. I don't think anybody should go to jail over traffic violations.
1: Uh, Art, uh, a lot of people in the white community were surprised by all of this. Um, but did you see it happening as well?
0: I, I would put it this way: It didn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a powder keg waiting to be lit. Yes, many of the issues that were exposed because of that fateful interaction between a police officer and a teenager—they um, had been festering for decades. I mean, we're talking about many of the same issues now that we were talking about in the 50s and the 60s. You know, so I don't think very few people in the black community uh, were surprised. But I I spoke to some white uh, fluorescent residents and they admitted that, you know, I was just leading my life. I wasn't paying attention. I should have known more. I should have done more. And so there was, I guess, there was this moment where many people who, in the category that you described, surprised, quote unquote, um, I think the phrase now is woke. <laughs> woke, is that right? yeah. you know they they became they became painfully aware of things going on in their community that maybe they hadn't paid attention to before. And I think for some people, and I, it's always. It's always dangerous to generalize. But for the purposes of this discussion, I think there are probably people in our in the metropolitan area who don't live anywhere near Ferguson who didn't think that it affected them and nothing could be further from the truth.
1: I remember hearing some people uh, at the time of uh, the Michael Brown shooting shortly after saying, why can't we just return to the good old days of the 50s and the 60s? And people like you would be saying, those who? weren't good old, there's nothing good about those days. Good for you. Who? Yeah.
2: Did you get any of that, uh, Wiley? Oh, sure. And, and, you know, um, it's easy to live your life with blindness. It truly is. But when you are woke, as you say, it allows you to wake up every day knowing that we can do some improvement across the board for our community as a whole. And and Ferguson was a good spark for us. Now everybody is woke. I mean, look, we had a quick trip burned down just four short years ago. There's a whole nother facility standing there that fights everything that that burning uh, stood for. Now we're in a recovery stage that's going to take a minute, but there's no going back to the way things used to be. I mean, this is not going to stop and then we're going to suddenly fall back. No, there's no falling back. And if you're not on board now, what's going to be a rough ride for you. But
1: the Michael Brown shooting didn't end it. I mean, how many cases have there been since Ferguson just a little over four years ago? Yes. I mean, every week we're reading another story like that. There's a long way to go.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be the understatement of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, what's uh, in your immediate future aside from another 40 years at uh,
0: KSDK, part <laughs> <laughs> holiday? <laughs> well, I guarantee you, if we're sitting here 40 years from now <laughs> talking about my career, well, I know. It, it'll I, be a miracle. Yeah, our, our time is
1: winding down, but I know you're, you've, you've been active in the documentary field. You've worked, you've worked on a couple of things. Is anything cooking along those lines in 30 seconds?
0: Well, I, I'm still, uh, many of your listeners may be aware that I've been working uh, for quite some time on a documentary about Johnny Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer who was Chuck Berry's piano player um, I guess this is probably the first time that I've mentioned this but uh, John Goodman has just come on as a narrator huh. and is going to be coming into town uh, for in a couple of weeks to do some narration for the project and you know, the, the biggest issue is the copyrighted material, and I'm still trying to solve that, but uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty good film. Good
1: luck with that, and uh, having Goodman isn't going to hurt your prospects no, at no. all. No. Wiley, very quickly, uh, anything hooking with you?
2: Uh, no, yeah. we have the Salute to Excellence in Business this Friday. We'll be honoring businessmen from across the uh, city. All right. Well,
1: again, congratulations for your honor from Thank the Association of Black Journalists. Great it. to see you guys. Keep up the good work.